You're listening to the Nomcast, a proud member of Forgotten Entertainment. Hello, and welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can follow us on the web at NomcastPod.com. All right, Netflix has been reeling a bit since their 4Q numbers came out, which had less subscriber growth than they anticipated slash promised to their shareholders. And of course, this resulted in a negative response from the stock market and inspired many articles and podcast episodes on kind of the state of Netflix and are they in trouble and maybe what they need to do going forward to survive the current iteration of the streaming wars. So on today's show, I figure we would discuss what people are saying about Netflix and explore some of those options that have been popping up. Plus, we will examine the Netflix diss track, trying to call out all the haters, aka the new Netflix sizzle reel for their 2022 movie slate, and see what is in store for the streaming giant and for us as people who cover these films. We will do all this with a very special guest returning to the show, Mr. Casey Moore of What's On Netflix. How are you, sir? Glad to have you back on. Yeah, great to be back. Thank you very much. Yeah, all good. Thank you. Yeah, you've been you've been killing it over there at What's On Netflix. Congratulations on, on all the success. And, of course, I've been paying attention to a bunch of specific articles that you, you've been kind of having towards the end of the year and into the new year of what 2021, what worked and what didn't, where Netflix's head is at, and then kind of seeing, much like I said up top, kind of the response to some of the things people are saying about Netflix after they had kind of a, a disappointing 4Q uh, shareholder call uh, where you know a lot of ideas are getting thrown around, a lot of things that they think Netflix should be doing. So I wanted to kind of bring you on and kind of go over some of those things in the article because it's stuff we've talked about in the past a little bit, uh, especially the last time you were on, which actually the last time you were on, we were talking about a whole bunch of different ideas based on the reaction of like Amazon buying MGM. Now it's like the whole world has changed again. And now we need to do a bunch of other maybe pivots to, to get through. So I want to do kind of like a quick yes or no to some of the best ideas I thought from the article. You good? Yes. Yeah, we're good. All right. So one thing that we did mention the last time we talked was an ad supported tier in terms of people who can kind of do almost like how Hulu is, uh, but in all Netflix, maybe even all Netflix originals. Um, and I know that you are not into that <laughs> the last time we spoke. But it seems to be something that people keep bringing up as far as ways to get people who maybe think the price tag for Netflix is too high and is willing to pay for commercials. What do you think about that one now uh, after all these months later? Yeah, still not keen, I'm afraid. Uh, it's um, I, I don't think there's any demand for it in particular. I think if you go down the AVOD route, which is sort of like going after um, uh, Pluto TV where you do live uh linear channels which is what's right. a bit still being uh, demoed and um, tested in in france then perhaps it could be uh added there um but i just i while i do think netflix's um uh, pricing bands do need a rethink i i don't think advertising is going to be part of it i i just think the infrastructure you need to to build something like that is just 
I don't know. I just think it's going to be too hard to turn around. And I, I, I think there's better areas to focus on. All right. So maybe you're not too keen on the light ad supported tiers, but what about doing something different with their content in terms of how they would present the content? Some people are saying uh, weekly episodes for proven series. I know um, uh, your contributor from What's on Disney Plus uh, had mentioned that because, again, that is something that is very successful for them, but they also have the the history of these franchise IPs to do mm. it. Do you think this is something that they could do maybe with their their more proven content, maybe in a season two or three or something like Stranger Things or Bridgerton or something of that nature? I think the argument could definitely be made. I, I, I think if you look at Amazon Prime, I mean, they've sort of pivoted to weekly uh, releases for some of their bigger shows. And you can mm -hmm. definitely see that it's more sticky when it comes to, um, you know, tools like uh, Google Trends, uh, for example. Right. Um, so I think it's definitely worth uh, considering. But on, on the flip side of that, because Netflix's slate is so robust and there's quite a lot coming every single month, I think you also then risk damaging your other debut shows um, because all the attention is still on those on those other ones. Um, so I, I think we're going to continue to see it um, experimented with on things like documentaries, like we're going to get the um, uh, Kanye West uh, documentary added over the course of uh, several weeks. Uh, mm -hmm. And we also still see it with reality series. So w whether they experiment with some of their bigger ones, um, I don't know. I think if the, it comes down to purely what the audience wants, I think the answers will still be binge. Um, but I think there's definitely a business case for having um, them release weekly. But with Netflix's churn, you know, uh, one of the uh, lowest in the industry, I think it's um, I think they're OK from not doing that. And because Disney Plus is, is a very different ball game where they're adding such little little new content that it right. works really well for them going weekly um so yeah they, they i mean there's a case to be made but also i don't think netflix needs to uh in the in the immediate term but long term perhaps the answer will change yeah it's interesting i feel like a lot of the the people either in your article or just things that other people have been saying around around the business are kind of like what if Netflix was Disney Plus or what if Netflix mm. was HBO Max? They kind of just been, oh, this is their strongest competition. And some of the conversations of how those things have been successful is like, well, why doesn't Netflix do this? And then also saying that with, well, Netflix is way ahead of a lot of these people <laughs> in terms of their, their structure. So maybe they're not wrong. You know what I mean? Because when you look at the end of the year, you see... Netflix being some of the highest numbers, if not the highest numbers all across the board. Like I, th I think um, our, <laughs> I like to call him my favorite coward, the entertainment strategy guy. Always. I love looking at his numbers and they're always, you know, it's like the top 10 shows of the year. It's like seven of them are Netflix in terms of viewing numbers. Yeah, and, and and again, again, that goes to just you know Netflix's ability to just pump out stuff, albeit on you know varying qualities, um, but pumping out stuff that just seems to resonate and uh, whether you switch that up um, I don't know I, th I think half the trouble is is that we're sort of comparing we're, we're going into this disaster mode because of these poor growth numbers but I think yeah they have been warning of this for quite some time and and, and obviously they refer to the um, the pull forward that COVID brought and with things opening back up I know with our site traffic we're seeing things go back to sort of like 2019 early 2020 levels uh, in terms of traffic because people mm. are just living on different schedules again and and I think 
you'll have an overcorrection where people that, you know, this summer will want to go out a lot more um, because they, they haven't been allowed to. Um, but I do presume that it will come back um, to normal. But I, I, I just think, you know, a lot of people are just questioning the whole model of Netflix and, you know, particularly as everyone else is charging after them, uh, you know, and ditch, ditching their old, old uh, ways of doing business to, to chase them. For sure. And one of the things you did mention how like you can't maybe pivot to doing weekly episodes on some of these series because of this massive slate that they have on the TV and film side, which of course doesn't feel that way right now. I've been talking about this on the podcast for the last few weeks where like the first couple months is tough. If you're yes. us, um, because what am I to look forward to? Tall Girl 2 and Medea? <laughs> like, what am I doing here? So it, it's really not, uh, you know, tickling my fancy, although I am looking forward to Big Bug this week. Um, but it is tough, tough right now. But one of the things that people do mention is that they would also have to kind of slow down the amount of movies and shows, as I said, like kind of going similar to maybe not as little as disney plus maybe has it where they kind of just hand off from one show to another to a movie to mm. you know it, it's very much like chain linked you know nothing like they never have like two major shows going on at the same time really you know netflix isn't gonna ever be like that it seems but i would say uh you know people like uh scott stuber and reed hastings have have said on various occasions that they want to kind of do more quality over quantity or excuse me Yes, quality over quantity uh, in terms of their, at least their movie slate. We'll see about the TV shows as well. But do you think that that needs to happen in tandem with that? Or do you think this is just a good strategy altogether? Uh, I, I don't know is the answer, because I think you can have the best of both worlds in a sense. You know, if it, you know, I know uh, quality is always subjective. Um, so I still think that Netflix needs to be something for everyone uh, to, yeah. to have its long-term future. And, and you can't do that when you focus on what's quality to me and you might be very different to, you know, a 16 year old um, How dare you? living on the other side of the world, you know? So <laughs> I, th I think they need to keep, keep going at this. I, I, I just think that you could do it where you're sort of investing in long-term futures of TV shows in, in advance. I think we're seeing that a lot more. Um, you know, Vikings Valhalla is a really good example where they bought so many episodes in advance. Um, yeah. So re really investing in, in a, you know, an, uh, from start to finish in a show rather than, you know, giving six episodes to something and, it, and leaving it hanging. And you've got essentially a dead library of, of titles that are unfinished. I think that's, that's not, not a good long-term future. One thing that's been really batted around by a lot of experts, and I've heard both sides of the of the case, and they both seem compelling. So I'm interested to see what side of the fence you plan on sitting for live sports of mm. any kind. So I've heard from you know a lot of people where they're like, this is Netflix. They not only have a huge content spend, but they also are the smartest guys in the room and they have been they've been way ahead on the game for this for a long time basically if live sports was appealing and good investment in terms of their money and their content spend they would have done it by now it seems or maybe they don't have as deep a pockets to kind of you know, come out neutral in terms of how much it would cost them, but also gain the subscribers to kind of make it work. Like basically Amazon has now pivoted in the U S to trying to get, you know, more 
football games. They're mm-hmm. really getting into that. They've also started to dip their toe in with baseball, live baseball games. Uh, Disney is doing well overseas, especially in India, as part of your article I noticed with Hot Star, yes. uh, because they have cricket and, and focus on that. Do you think this is something that they maybe not go for one of the major sports, which is you know, maybe a little bit more expensive for them long term. But, you know, Disney having ESPN and Hotstar, Amazon doing what they're doing, do they maybe need to pivot to some kind of sports? Um, potentially. I, I mean, it depends what sport. As you say, I think going after sort of like the NFL rights is just going to be way too wildly expensive. Yeah. Um, I, I think introducing a sport to the world, um, a lot of people sort of cite F1 as being a good one. And I, I particularly like that one, because if, you, if you're looking at sports as to keep churn down, you know, uh, so Peacock at the moment is, is having the Winter Olympics, um, right. but that's only lasting for three weeks, whereas an right. F1 season can take over, you know, between nine and 10 months of the year. So it keeps yeah. people locked in. So something like that or a WWE, I think, mo- make the most sense. On paper, I think it's just about getting a good price for it. And I think with how artificially inflated everything is in the entertainment right. world, I think it's going to be a hard job to do. Um, so yeah. I think we're going to see a lot more um, sports documentaries. I know they've just commissioned uh, two two new ones uh, with golf and um, uh, tennis. Uh, yeah. So I think we'll see a lot more of that. So it's about keeping sports fans on side, even without the live sports. And if an opportunity comes a- ahead... Um, then I think they will take it, um, but how how they readjust the platform? Because obviously, it's yeah. not not suited for live sports, and and you could argue none of them are at the moment either. Um, because <laughs> yeah. serving up live sports is very different to serving up um, just normal TV episodes. So how exactly that will look in the UI um, as well is is an interesting question. Um, but it definitely makes more sense than say news, uh, in my opinion. For sure. Uh, I think so, too. And so a lot of those sports that you mentioned make sense. And, and F1, you know, they've kind of been doing, a, I believe, a docuseries on yes. that now. Right. So they've kind of invested a little bit in that. And then, you know, you're right. Something that is year round makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I'm interested, you know, Netflix does, and golf doesn't seem to be like a brand that would, you know, be like kind of it makes sense in my head because Netflix is so I don't know youthful you know what I mean like that golf doesn't seem to be that that kind of an audience but weirdly that's a global sport that you know is watched in a lot of key areas that they're looking forward to so I don't know that might be something uh tennis same way you know it's all year round same yeah, deal. and, it, and so. it's really tricky with the global stuff as well, because obviously Netflix will be serving out, assu- assuming it would be serving off a, a single live stream of each sport. But obviously right. you've got to remember a lot of these sports have local broadcasts at the moment as well, where you where you tend, if you're watching tennis coverage, I imagine if you're watching it on, on, on network TV in America, they very much focus on the games from the Americans. So how would you do it? So you're yeah. sort of serving everyone, um, which is why, why WWE and... Um, F1 in particular don't have that. Um, but on the, on the flip Good side, I, I also think that if you do have sports, you need to include local dis- um, affiliates still. Um, so whether that would be the BBC still carrying it in the UK or something, um, right. just just so you've, you're still getting the local um, and additional marketing, you know, from that as well. So um, yeah, and obviously Peacock is double dipping in that way too, where they're going to have the local versions of the the winter Olympics right now, but you can also watch on Peacock, 
you know, and, and I believe how it's working, like you're getting kind of like how we are used to watching it on TV versions where it's kind mm. of like highlights and more of these deeper, you know, more personal, you know, story packages to yeah. go along with it. But if you watch it on Peacock, it's literally like, here's the straight live coverage of the event. So it's a little bit different. Um, mm. So maybe they could do that with those other events as well. I, I've I meant, I've heard a lot of people say they need to do the World Cup, you know, because at least like it's not all the time, but it's something to where they can kind of, you know, dominate globally for a short period of time in maybe a, a period of the year where they need it, you know, and kind of yes. structure yeah, their true. other content around it. So that'd be interesting, too. So there's a lot of opportunities, but it is one of those things that it is so expensive. And it also a lot of people have mentioned that it's content that they can't keep. Yes. So. A lot of that goes against the current business model of Netflix, too, where everything is like, we own this. We know what to do with this. Now it's like a live TV thing where it's like, we have no idea what to do with this afterwards or what we can do with it afterwards because the licensing agreements are everywhere. Yes. And, and and you could argue that, you know, all sports has limited lifespans anyway. I mean, do you watch yeah. NFL games the day after uh, on catch up? Probably not. You know, no. it's either live or not at all. Um, so yeah, that, I, I mean, there's definitely arguments to be made against sports because of the cost, sort of like the cost to how many views you get over a long period of time. Um, right. But again, I think using it as a way of keeping subscribers on over a long period of time is probably the most effective use of if you did get it. For sure. Um, and so a lot of things we've mentioned so far have kind of been stuff about their content or adding more content. But one thing I did love reading from Brandon Katz in your article was he said that solely relying on subscription revenue is akin to the Los Angeles Lakers always counting on LeBron James's superhuman ability to save them. And I was like, yeah, it's like they should have pivoted a long time ago. You and I have talked about this before where it's like the fandom behind these shows that they have and the movies that they have, they have nowhere to really go with it because they're not doing live events they're not doing a ton of merchandise per show they're not doing they don't have theme park setups they don't have cruise lines they don't have any of these things set up like how disney has their whole in industry you know mm -hmm. of entertainment industrial complex as it were so do they need to do maybe more focusing on that in the future especially now that they're trying to do you know the to dumb thing don't, don't even get me started I'm, I'm all over with it and now especially the website that you seem to be uh, at odds with as well so it, it keeps adding on to that for fun so but where do you think this goes in terms of other revenue streams for them I'm not sure because they kind of painted themselves into a corner, right? Because like some of the live events they've put on, they've, they've done it for free. Um, all you have to do right. is turn up. I think the subscription is still going to be the primary way of going about it. Um, I do think they're going to probably diversify in licensing some of their stuff to like network TV. We saw Bojack Horseman. I'd be very surprised if we didn't see more of that. Mm. Um, I think the Netflix shop is clearly a, a good way of uh, branching out as to what how successful that will be is another question it probably needs to be very much into the app i mean you a lot of people sure. have argued they could go down the nft route which i'd argue is a completely insane move uh given that they're equivalent to yeah. scams um uh -huh. <laughs> so so um 
Yeah, and obviously the box office is obviously another big one because there are a lot of films released in the box office last year. So it'd be interesting to see whether they'll leverage that uh, moving um, more into the future as well. Um, But I I do think that while I take his point on board, I do think subscriptions is going to be the primary um, way of keeping uh, their revenues. Yeah, Yeah, of course. I, I think that it's more or less just trying to be like, again, how to compete with HBO Max and Disney's legacy stuff long term. How do you build a legacy? How do you hmm. build long term conversation about your products instead of just being like taking bites? You know, I want something that's going to like satiate me long term, you know, because I go, we talked about this last time. I go to like these, you know, the, the horror conventions and saw, you know, people from Fear Street. I thought that was great. You know, that's a good way to kind of open up some of those. So, extra marketing streams and Mm. then and then you go to you know a comic-con and you're gonna see you know the witcher costumes or something like people cosplaying for that and you know maybe having more people doing their own individual you know uh, i guess appearances and Mm. photo ops and things like that that always adds to these type of things but if you could control it and kind of be like hey we're gonna have this kind of like netflix road show for a summer, you know, and do like a bunch of locations all over the the country with the stars of their programming. Yeah. Maybe that works too. You know, yeah, so, I, uh, I do. I do actually think they're going to go down that route too, because I I think it's uh, early this year that they're doing the Netflix as a joke in Los Angeles. I think they've bought up a ton of spaces um, for stand up comedians. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe you know. I, I don't. Know. I don't want to say a hundred, but I think it was close to a hundred uh, comedians that that all have specials on the service. Are, yeah. are going to be um, uh, presenting at that. So yeah, I think more things like that, leveraging other 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 um, you know cons and stuff, and and doing its own events. So I think I think to to Doom was actually a, a good start uh, as to what they should have. You know what a fan event would look like, um, yeah. but more more like that. Um, and uh, you know the YouTube Netflix's YouTube marketing strategy is 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 really good at doing that as uh, you know achieving those goals too. For sure. And the one thing that I did take away uh, from one of the the pieces of that article as well was a lot of these maneuvers take time. Mm. And and the problem is when you're so beholden to your stock price that it's not sexy to be like, we're doing something, but it's going to take a few years, you know, like showing some kind of vision is like hard to pitch when you don't know what exactly that revenue stream is going to look like. So that's why short term things like, you know, Amazon with MGM or, uh, Mm. you know, some of these other, uh, you know, Discovery Plus with HBO Max showing what they're going to do as far as content stuff that somehow gets a little bit more sexiness to it. And I know we talked off air. You were saying if you were to mention one thing in the article that maybe something like that would actually be what you would pitch. Yeah, um, I've always been an advocate of buying up a library uh, one way or another. Um, I think I think it brings in a lot of benefits, you know, including, you know, stuff that you can then iterate and then build on yourself. Um, right. So, you know, the big one I lo- love is always Lionsgate. I think they're, they're such a good plug and play. I think that, that would get Netflix a cable channel, which would get them into that that sort of world. Um, yeah. It would get them into theme parks um, in, in Asia, uh, which would give them a good, basis to then grow that and plus it buys mm. them loads of ip uh without all the ad, ad, added baggage of a lot of other companies you know like uh 
like Viacom CBS is so beholden to the old world of advertising yeah. and network television, whereas, you know, Lionsgate, a company like that isn't, um, and it, and it comes with its own streamer and data and tech and all that, that that's good stuff too. So I guess bottom line, you don't think this is a, you know, they know what they're doing. Don't change a thing model here. You would think that one of these things needs to probably happen mm. to whether it's just to help the shareholders and get their stock back up or at least to increase subscriber growth. Do you, you, you believe that at least? Uh, yeah, I, I, somewhat. I, I mean, they were on it. I think they'll continue growing regardless, actually. Um, I, I do think that they've just got such a good um, outlook when it comes to, you know, getting the best talent on board, you know, the, the amount of stars that they can still seem to attract. Whether yeah. that's whether that's forever, I don't know. But, you know, for the, the meantime, they still are able to deliver on that. Um, but a lot of people, you know, talk about library and, you know, Netflix's library is now like 45% all originals now. Um, right. So whether you argue that there needs to be some sort of complementary library to that, particularly with older stuff, because obviously Netflix can't produce 90s shows because, you know, we're not in the 90s anymore. So You're right. yeah. uh, <laughs> whether it's the case, you could buy that sort of um, things. Uh, but, you know, they're no doubt running the numbers on that. Um, and yeah. what we don't see from stuff like the Nielsen numbers is, is that library content performs really, really well. Um, you know, we, we do have a lot of library content that is on Netflix, but when it seems to go home to its original platform, it seems to just get lost in the shuffle. So, you know, you could argue yeah. that a, bit, a big show like The Office was only doing as well because it was on Netflix, as opposed to people will follow that show around around the world. But Yeah, now that it's on Peacock, I definitely hear about it less, or I yes. see kind of less of that, you know, the meme industry of things uh, throughout social media. You know, people still love it, but they've kind of now moved on because they don't have it. You yeah, know, well, I, it, well, it's actually interesting. The office is because it's uh, it's actually streaming on more regions of the world of Netflix in 2022 than it was ever when it was <laughs> streaming just on the US, oh, uh, which is. Yeah. So it's on the UK world now, uh, for example, and most of Europe, in fact. Yeah. What's interesting is that when I think about the current iteration of the streaming wars, I feel like the big thing that Netflix is would be the envy of is their global reach but what's one thing that i read from your article is that they still have work to do there as they're kind of struggling in india yeah india is a really good a good example i think a lot of people treat that one as a really good growth uh center um because clearly uh, it's got a huge population um yeah. and and one that's you know uh, advancing really fast um but i think i think uh Suchin does a really good job of sort of distilling as to why it doesn't do well there. And I think it's really just the case if you've got to throw a lot more mud at the wall to get some of it to stick. Um, and I also think that they've made big bets that have misfired as well um, for, for numerous reason, reasons. Um, and one that ones that I can't uh, articulate because uh, I'm not from the region, you know, I could say <laughs> right, yeah. why some of the UK stuff doesn't hit home. Um, but, you know, I think it really comes down to each region is going to be, you know, very specific as, as to what goals they need to achieve there. Right. Yeah. The uh, So let me, before we get to the sizzle reel here <laughs> and kind of like see where 2022 is heading and all of that. Um, one thing I did want to kind of pick your brain is where you sit with kind of the, the streaming wars. Like, who do you think made the biggest gains in 2021? And do you think 2022 is going to be a little bit different? Uh, so for who did the best in 2021, I think I said in my article that I think HBO has made a lot of 
good strides forward. I think they yeah. are the, easily the best when it comes to content, both new and old. Um, Disney Plus, I think, depending on where you live, if you live in the US, has been a bit disappointing. I think if you're not a Star Wars or Marvel fan, I think you go hungry a lot on Disney yeah. Plus um, and have to rely on Hulu. Um, but yeah, HBO Max is is the one I'm I'm most excited about. I think their 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 slate going forward and their IP is just amazing. And I think while they don't hit um, home runs on everything, I think HBO is a good brand to bet on. Um, and they're the ones that I think, rightly or wrongly, you know, they put their entire movie slate on 2021, which you could argue without a pandemic they wouldn't have been doing that. Um, but right. Yeah, I, th- I think they're the they're the fierce, fiercest competitors with Disney in a third. Yeah, it's interesting. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Like, I kind of wrote down, if I'm X, I'm intimidated by Netflix because of Y. And so I'm interested, you know, you know, if you disagree with any of these. So if I'm Disney Plus, I'm intimidated by Netflix because of their global reach and their volume of yearly content, especially in TV. It, it can't be matched. Like, they're so far ahead in terms of how much they make. If I'm HBO Max, I'm intimidated by Netflix because of, again, the global reach, because HBO Max is not really big overseas at all. Um, HBO Max also has a lot of issues with their platform. It's super slow and hard to get to. Some of their uh, more appealing brands that they have. Um, So I think they don't do that as well as, say, even Disney Plus does, which is weird. Um, And Netflix is also better at being a more family-friendly content than hbo max is too because i think hbo max is really good at making content but a lot of it is like for adults or like Mm. prestige stuff like they're really good at making like award level stuff you know thrillers and crime stuff and and dc comic stuff and yeah you know which which usually slants more dark and older so i think if i'm you know if i'm a family and i'm watching hbo max and i'm like gosh all we had this year was Space Jam Legacy, which just got a Razzie Award, you know, nomination. <laughs> I, I think I'm a little frustrated, maybe, uh, that there's maybe not more of that. There might be down the pike, but they're not as good in animation as a lot of the others. And it's going to be an interesting dogfight with that going forward in terms of trying to reach families. Amazon, I'm intimidated by Netflix because of, again, the global reach, because Amazon weirdly is... As a whole, even their main business, like Prime, it is largely a domestic juggernaut. It's really like a U.S. product, and their con and the content creators for for Netflix, especially in TV, they have so many of them, so many of those deals, like the Shonda Rhimes of the world, that just aren't on Amazon. So I feel like they would be intimidated by Netflix there, and then Apple TV Plus. Uh, I'm intimidated by Netflix because of their branding with like large key demos, like the whole Netflix and chill of it all. And a lot of people like kind of comparing Netflix to being TV for them. You know, I think they'd be jealous of that, but it's also very scary that Apple TV, I'm actually the most scared of them because they have deep pockets. They have reach in China. They have the iPhone that they can do amazing marketing with. They also have the former Pixar animators to help build their new animation projects. And they've already had early success with, you know, shows like Ted Lasso and The Morning Show where they already have like kind of an identification there and they just got started. So what do you do you think any of those are are off base or do you think a lot of that there's some truth to that? 
Yeah, I think there's there's truth to all of that. I, I I do think that Amazon and Apple are playing by different rules to everyone else. Um, yeah. you know, they're not they're not, you know, entertainment is very much a bonus and an addition to their core products as a, as opposed to the core product. Um, you know, Apple in particular is yeah. you know, it, Apple TV Plus they could never have that make a profit and just it wouldn't worry them. Um, I I do think the prestige of Apple is uh is well, I I think it's great for the consumer for one. Um, you know, I, I do think competition is making better shows on the whole. I yeah. think if you are, if you are putting out a rubbish show, I think it gets lost so quickly. Um, oh, you yeah. know? Uh, and, and then Amazon's really interesting because it, you know, it's clearly going after that prestige uh, while trying to uh, maintain something for everyone too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they end up. Um, mm. I think I think Amazon Prime slate uh, in the US is probably the weakest compared to yeah. other places in the world. I, I'd say that Amazon Prime is probably like the second best streamer here in the UK, um, just because the amount of exclusives and originals they get from your networks is uh, quite astounding. Interesting. Yeah, because again, it's that spend. Uh, they they just have unlimited assets you know in terms of deep pockets and and money to burn they don't care and that's why they don't care so much that they don't they're not balking at the live tv sports aspect of things they're just like how can we get more people to subscribe and more people to be here oh put an nfl game on a thursday and tell everyone it's here okay you yeah know, I, it, I, I imagine Amazon uh, churn is uh, prime churn is very, very low anyway. So really it's just about being, you know, adding incremental value to it um, uh, because, you know, most people are still using it for the next day shipping on their socks. So um, of course, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which again, why, why that's a big deal domestically, but it's interesting that you tell me that they're, you know, as successful in the UK or, or more successful in some of these other streamers. That's actually very interesting to me because to me, Amazon, the appeal of them is a, that it's built into the whole prime universe of it all. And then you also kind of have this whole, you know, them and Apple have the rental industry, which I'll tell you when I was in, uh, you know, when I had COVID and I was quarantined from my wife and kids at my own home, it was like, I have a TV here. And what can I do with it? And a lot of it was, I was trying to catch up with movies I didn't see in 2021, but they weren't on the streamers yet. No. And a lot of them are, you know, PVOD or whatever. And all that went through Amazon. So I was just constantly feeding Amazon, you know, outside of my Prime subscription, just giving them all that rental revenue. So that's something that Netflix doesn't have. It's something that HBO Max and Disney Plus doesn't have, unless you talk about when they were doing the, uh, you know, I rented Black Widow in that premiere period or whatever. Yeah, like sure. But well, Netflix obviously still has their DVD rental platform, but obviously that's very detached from uh, the streaming uh, side of things nowadays. Yeah, although I hear it still makes a decent amount of coin for them. Like, it's not nothing. Uh, no, otherwise, no. obviously, they would have gotten rid of it. But and, and honestly, when I saw you guys, I think had a article about it, I was like, huh. Maybe I should do that. <laughs> maybe I sh- maybe it's better to like have that versus like say some of these other you know streaming platforms which I use for mostly their older legacy stuff uh, versus like their newer shows like Hulu. I don't watch a lot on Hulu, but like I I'll go back and watch like old shows or old yeah. you know movies that they have or something, and I can get those through the DVD program with Netflix and probably spend less or around the same and get a wider variety so it seemed appealing to me there 
Yeah, uh, and, and of course, you just can't have the same sort of instant gratification that you do, you know, having to sit by your mailbox waiting for a few days. Um, right. But, but I've often said, you know, it's it's a really good companion to the, the Netflix streaming, particularly if you don't want all the, the streaming channels, because there are so many. Uh, and, and that's what I would really say is that Netflix, you know, their libraries in international regions are, are I've, I've referred to it as a golden age at the moment because yeah. we're kind of still getting the best of both worlds where we're, everything's not fragmented. Where in the US, you know, streaming, you, you, you're almost having to become a bit of a juggler where you have to pick pick which streamers you want for certain months. And yeah. I, actually, I actually think that that's a big problem for everyone. You know, I, I think if we don't see amazing growth from like the likes of HBO Max and Disney Plus in 2022, I think all streamers have big issues where you could argue that they're all eating into each other's uh, share of time and therefore all losing revenue because of that. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, we kind of talked about it a little bit with the, uh, the offering maybe a, a, an ad subscription, you know, tier or whatever, but I would say, do you think, because part of this was that they increased prices across the board. Uh, I don't know if that was just in the U S or whether it was global, but um, is, is this something that you're hearing uh, is there any backlash that you're seeing where people are like, God, they increase the rates or like that they're too expensive at no, this point, especially compared to others? Uh, no more than normal. I, I, to be fair, I think it's been a constant criticism I've said is Netflix is always raising their prices, which is I, 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 part of it is because of how they raise their prices, where they do it sort of incrementally and different around the world. So you often get yeah. news headlines that just says Netflix is raising prices and people just throw their arms up, realizing that it's not actually for them. Um, so, so that, that's a problem. And I also just think that, you know, they could optimize or at least when they give, uh, or put price prices up, they could actually, you know, improve the service in terms of the tiers, you know, like for the biggest one, adding, adding an extra stream, for example, you know, it just seems like you're getting more and why there's a basic 480p, um, level in 2022, I, I will never know. Yeah, when I, I think you were championing, uh, who was it, Disney or HBO Max had the IMAX component recently? Yes, yeah, I lo- I lo- yeah, I love that. It's just like s- small innovations like that just seems to add add value, you know, and, it, and a lot of people have said, you know, Netflix wants to reduce uh, uh, password sharing. And I think there's, there's better ways, rather than just sort of banning people and taking value away, I think it's right. better to add value to the account holder. So whether that would be, you know, they get to watch a new Netflix movie 48 hours before the rest of the accounts on that, you know, you get a one-time pass, something like yeah. that adds value in being an account holder, you know? Um, so as, as opposed to taking it away and whether that would be having, you know, discounts on the shop and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I think, adding value is where they need to be moving for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that's most of been what we've been talking about in this whole first half, kind of dissecting your article. (laughs) What I'd like to do is now that we've given everybody so much information, let's go even further. And after this break, we could talk about that massive 2022 sizzle reel that came out. uh, What maybe you're looking forward to, or maybe what's been, you know, uh, driving a lot of traffic. Uh, and a lot of interest on your on your page, and then also maybe see what does this mean for Netflix's strategy going forward. We'll be right back. 
Hi, I'm Mike Phil. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. I swear I talk more in the episodes. Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Cracking One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Kraken When Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right, so let's move forward a little bit, and let's talk about, you know, kind of, you have a bunch of articles about the 2021 year in review, and then we're also getting this massive download of, what was it, 87 new movies uh, from the 2022 Sizzle Reel? Absolutely, yeah. And you know it's only going to add from there because I will talk about noticeably absent uh, titles at one point in this conversation. But what I want to know from you first, Casey, is like, so last year they did this, right? They had the big 2021 Sizzle Reel at the beginning of the year and they tried to get you all revved up. And I felt like that video was kind of characterized by, wow, they're really steering into the action segment. They had, you know, Red Notice was their big ticket thing. You had a bunch of other, you know, star-driven, smaller action movies. You had uh, Sweet Girl with Jason Momoa. You have, uh, you know, kind of more uh, a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie and some of these other, you know, prestige action stars coming over and making some noise. And... This year, I don't know if I would characterize it as like that was what made 2021 quote unquote successful, if you look at it. And then, of course, that reel also ended with Don't Look Up, uh, which, you know, was one of their most successful movies of the year. So well, well done there. But, you know, it's also something that signaled that is an all star cast and they're going to try to, you know, kind of between that and Red Notice, open movies with movie stars, kind of this old feeling of how movies used to be used to not be all ip it's like well if you don't have ip what do you got you're gonna be star driven so what did you think worked in 2021 and then like how how are we moving forward with uh their what they started in 2021 yeah i think i think what you say is true i think i think they've got a particular emphasis on action um as opposed to any any other distributor and i also think they really do well in the family arena as well i think uh we can be heroes did really well towards the beginning yeah. of last year and and some of their animation pickups were superb um wish dragon's a good example that that performed well across the world vivo and uh the mitchell's versus the machines and back to outbook back to the outback sorry uh that, that they all did really well so i i think that there's there's good um, stuff there and I also think their awards slate last year was pretty decent um, the power of the dog seems to be the runaway success um, yeah. with don't look up being a lot more controversial than I think it was supposed to be but perhaps for its benefit because it's now one of the most watched films um, yeah. ever so uh, I, I, I think a good dose of uh, controversy helps in, in a for lot sure. of cases yeah. but yeah a sporadic and, and sort of uh, not a consistent slate last year but uh, the plenty plenty to talk about still yeah i agree i mean this year 
uh, I would characterize it as if they didn't get bailed out by Sony, this would be a bad mm. year. Yes. Um, and I think because Mitchell's versus the machines got them a lot of mileage in a in a part of their schedule that was dead. Like it was right after the uh, the extension of the net uh, the uh, the award season, you know, where they had all that early stuff with Malcolm and Marie pieces of a woman white tiger they had all these things that you know in in months like now usually are dead months and they kind of extended that uh into the early spring because the oscars got pushed so far back but i think mitchell's came out around april ish mm, it did yeah and and it was like wow we got something great in a normally terrible part of the year and it was it was eye-opening. It was probably the best thing on any streamer around that time. And it it's obviously also part of the Oscar conversation for them because of it. And then, you know, slowly but surely, they would be able to, like, churn out one of these major family titles that either the animated or a family title, you know, seemed like almost every month they had one. You know, Vivo came at a dead time. You know, Back to the Outback happened at the very end. Um, Wish Dragon happened in between and you know there was a lot of times where it was good you know a good part was because of the Sony deal and I think that's going to continue into 2022 because of the windowing part of that deal but you're also seeing as part of this sizzle reel coming up that it's it they actually have some of the the fruits of that deal where like original content was made from too so to me uh, it was I thought it was going to be the year of the action I thought it was going to be maybe even the year of because uh, they had multiple musicals and they were part of that with Tick, Tick, Boom. I thought mm -hmm. that was going to be part of the conversation. And I think it was really that how much they got bailed out by some of these deals that they made with other studios that wasn't their own content. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a fair assessment, to be fair. Um, there was some, I mean, I mean, Army of the Dead is a really good ex exception. That seemed to have done well. And obviously with Zack Snyder, they've got future products, projects with him. So that makes a lot of sense. And I think he has a sort of inbuilt fan base, um, almost cult-like in, in a sense. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, the, the mixed bag. And I, I also think that, you know, when you do reviews and go back over a year, because they release so much, it's actually hard to sort of pinpoint and, you know, really remember what they put out um you know yeah. so yeah i'm just looking over the list now and there's you know a few of these i i've watched and i've completely forgot about so yeah it's weird i don't know how you guys uh feel about over there about uh fear street i thought that was so successful and such a great idea and well executed mm. that i remember that more fondly especially because it was a week after week thing that i remember that so much more fondly than i do a lot of the other stuff throughout the year because it was kind of this eventized thing. It was yeah. something that you had to follow week after week. And they were like, you had articles about their soundtracks and a lot of things kind of like putting the clues together to kind of go week after week. So it's, it's kind of cool, you know, that how that was structured. And I think they should do that more. It basically almost shows that their best way of doing movies is TV like, <laughs> because they're so good at TV that maybe they should do maybe more of, uh, that influence into into movies because that's kind of how Marvel operates. They're yes. kind of just you know episodic movies, you know. So why not, right? So 
I would say that that things like that really made my year. We kind of went over our top fives a, a few weeks ago, and I feel like that one was a common theme with with that discussion. And then, yeah, I think their award slate is pretty good, and obviously they're seeing the the fruits of that. Uh, tomorrow we're doing this on a Monday. Um, that uh, Oscar nominations come out. Uh, BAFTA nominations on your side of the the world came out last week. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot to discussion and there's a lot to like if you're if you're Netflix because they're getting nominations left and right. So with probably about six or seven movies. So that's pretty good. That's pretty amazing that they can hold that uh, many movies in the Oscar slate all at once. But as we move towards 2022, the the sizzle reel that came out, it kind of made me feel like they're pivoting into a lot of the things that we thought were successful. It's, you know, star-driven action stuff. It's a lot of family-oriented, including the Sony deal. I think the biggest thing we're going to, you know, see here is that 2021, they got bailed from Sony as this holding area where they let Sony prop them up in 2021. And now you're seeing, what, four or five uh, Netflix original, like their studio work coming out for animated projects in 2022. Yes. So if not more, because we're just going to keep going and see what's ready. So I thought that was impressive, but you could definitely see from things like Slumberland, you know, like those type of things uh, were not things that Netflix was really good at up until maybe the last year or two. No. And, and, and going back to animation for a second, you know, these things take time, you know, Netflix animation really got underway sort of like, a good four or five years ago. And, it, you know, The Sea Beast, which was one of the most anticipated movies of the year, I think, um, you know, that's been in development since 2018. So, you know, these right. things do take time. Um, and, you know, that's that's often the case. And it goes back to our previous conversation with how do you plan for these successes in, in advance? And, it, and the answer is it's probably really hard to because, you know, something like Squid Game, which seemingly came out of nowhere, was in development for two years before right. it then ca- came out to the world and then just took over. Um, you know, so when you're tra- trying to hit trends and stuff and really bounce on that, it's 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 hard. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you there. Their 2022 slate seems very focused on stars and and, um, and particularly uh, this year, more than more so than ever, um, filmmakers. They seem to put a real emphasis on that um, hmm. uh, as opposed to previous years. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what comes of it. So you don't, uh, I know you shared an article with me from the guardian where have you heard a lot of negative in terms of, uh, the response to this sizzle reel? Cause <laughs> tell the folks, uh, the, the guardian article that you shared with me. Yeah. So Stuart Her- heritage, uh, the guardian basically called the preview trailer is a ghoulish nightmare of coerced A-listers, which is a, <laughs> is a very harsh headline in it my is. opinion. I, I, I think it does what it's, it needs to, um, you know, whether, whether you, enjoy that sort of thing i i personally just like getting very uh forward viewing advanced looks at stuff because that, that's yeah. kind of it, particularly in my world that's very rare because you know we we typically cover netflix stuff which is coming in the next month or two um right. it's very rare we get such l- advanced viewing of uh movies and shows which is where where i think netflix suffers uh you know particularly compared to marvel because every day you know you you know fans really just suck up any crumb of new information. And I think from, from inception of a project at Netflix to the sort of one or two months ahead of time, there really isn't much news about it. So projects sort of just fall off the wayside, um, which is obviously where a site like us can 
do well right. because we, we, we're keeping track of them. Um, but yeah, I, I like the preview trailer. I understand why people wouldn't. I think if you look past the sort of cringe uh, fourth wall breaking um, <laughs> yes. generic yeah. comments, which is, you know, that it's, you know, it's, it's fine. Yeah, it's hard to get a through line in, in a, such a massive clip show essentially so yeah i i'd be interested to how they fully pulled that off and brought all these people in to do this it, it's uh, yeah it is a little cringe i, w- I will agree <laughs> with that um but yeah i think i think they're just gonna keep leaning into all these stars and, and you know one thing that is bearing fruit too is something that you and i <laughs> i think i uh, i teased you with uh the last time you were on we kind of did like a sequels battle like mm. what kind of like would uh, work out going forward like what people are anticipating and we're starting to see some of them as you know enola holmes 2 is coming out mm. um one of the things that i thought was noticeably absent but might make 2022 is extraction 2 um and we'll see if that comes through um i don't think we're gonna see something like maybe old guard 2 in 2022 because i think that's so early in its development um but they are going through with other stuff that I think they believe is upcoming kind of like franchise stuff. And obviously the the crown jewel is uh, Knives Out 2 that they know they have at least a couple more movies out of that franchise. So do you think that their, their thirst for uh, franchises and IP that they can work with is paying off starting uh, in the last year or two here? Somewhat, um, but I would have to say some of the, the projects I'm most excited for are not franchise and IP, you know. Um, I think that's a good benefit of not being so driven by box office numbers, you know, is that you can have these other other titles that just w- probably wouldn't see the light of day under an, you know, normal circumstances. Um, right. So, yes, yes is the answer. Um, but also I kind of like I kind of like the fact that they're still just taking uh, bets on on things that just wouldn't get made otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you say like the sea beast is the one that's like the most anticipated because it's weirdly I'm more anticipating uh, my father's dragon because I'm a big cartoon saloon guy. Uh, yes. And, and they produce such good stuff, um, you know, and, and this is done by Nora Toomey, who did the breadwinner, uh, which was uh, and the father's dragon is based off a Newbery award winning book, too. So it's it's got a lot to love. Uh, and yeah, I've been I- anticipating that. I'll tell you why I think the Sea Beast is more fascinating to me personally. I think it's because it's going after Disney's lunch because it's got mm. a long time uh, director at Disney. He's been with Disney since 1998, I believe. Right. So uh, luring someone away f- uh, from from over there and sort of putting them on Netflix aside, I think is just what makes it far more fascinating to me. And also it just looks amazing. So uh, yeah, I can't wait for that one. Well, Casey, I fell for that trick with Over the Moon. So I'm going to hold out on that one where Over the Moon, I was like, great animation. Let's let's see where this story goes, because I thought they really lost that one in the second half. So I hope you're right, but I don't know uh, how that's actually going to shake out. Kind of the same thing with, you know, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It's like, okay, I like both of those things, but when in combination, am I going to enjoy this experience? experience i don't know uh because they got a lot of stop animation stuff going on um mm. you know and wendell and wild you know uh, that's you know the team you know like nightmare before christmas and monkey bone and yeah a lot of these things that i enjoyed when i was younger so you know but you know not a lot of more current success 
Uh, but you also get Key and Peele with that, so that's amazing. So there's a bunch of stuff with the animated that I'm I'm very excited for. And in fact, some of that wasn't even in the trailer because I don't think they put anything from Apollo Ten and a Half in there, right? Nope, nope, that wasn't, and that was expected this year too. Um, so yeah, it, it, there's definitely a few things missing um, uh, from that. And with I, I think we got a still for Apollo um, rather than a sort of teaser, but um, right, yeah. So I. But I, I do think that the animation is continues to be exciting. I think on the TV side, less so. I think we've heard um, create, creators sort of get frustrated with the way that Netflix is commissioning TV um, and sort of keeping it going because, you know, they, they give them small upfronts or, or right. you know, free, free season orders. And that, that was always the plan to end there. Um, mm-hmm. And I, 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 don't, I think creators really like having long-term, you know, if you compare to something like The Simpsons that goes on for decades uh you know that just doesn't happen um but yeah i think on the movie movie side on animation it's a lot more exciting um and a lot less reliant on sony this year i know yeah absolutely that's what i'm saying they're kind of taking a hold of their own so if that's what you could say about this year maybe they might it might be more fruitful for them from their own studio uh is possible in terms of these or or even just some of these deals that might actually churn out something like i think about kenya barris who uh the blackish creator who gets to do you people here with jonah hill eddie murphy mm-hmm. julia louise Dreyfus, like but his show didn't work for netflix so maybe uh we'll get something from from that deal going forward they also get you know uh their star their tv star from lupin omar side doing a buddy mm-hmm. crime comedy so you're seeing a lot of global stuff here too uh between carter uh, and like, I'm actually uh, very excited for uh, the train to Busan and Peninsula and Hellbound creators doing uh, a South Korean movie on here as well. Um, and there's another film, Soul Vibe, uh, which is South Korean uh, about like baby drivers and it's in the 80s and a lot of car chase stuff. So I'm like, all right, uh, this could be kind of fun <laughs> in terms of the, the global reach stuff. Of course, we also have a couple Adam Sandler movies in here. There, so again, they're they're still got their their big deals going on that are fruitful. The one thing that I did kind of think about, and I'm probably I'm probably getting ahead of myself. We'll probably do a whole episode on it later, so I won't dwell. But I feel like there's less Oscar-y stuff for sure because like it depends on what Knives Out two is going to be. It was in the awards conversation for the first one. Mm. So is that how it's going to be going forward? I don't know. You know, because you're kind of going, you know, it's not a continuation of the the previous storyline, it looks like. So I think it, these are going to be like kind of, not Agatha Christie, because that seems too reductive. But you know what I mean, where it's kind of like Pink Panthers, you're coming up with new versions of how to bring Daniel Craig's character in and, and solve these murder mysteries, uh, essentially. So I think it'll be very successful, but I don't know if that turns into Oscar stuff. Um, I know they definitely have white noise from Noah Baumbach as one of these kind of central things uh, for their award slate. And Blonde, I've heard very bad early things with this one. <laughs> yeah, so it's not like I don't, been coming up for years. Yeah, and that's Andrew Dominic, who's kind of like not done much in a while. I think they just know like, hey – we have an Ana de Armas movie here. We're going to release it eventually. But I think they just don't know what to do with it, honestly. Because <laughs> I think it's more hardcore than Netflix anticipated, from what I understand. 
no, that's fair. Um, yeah, uh, so yeah, with regards to uh, awards, uh, it's it's hard to say this early in advance of the year. I've, I don't think if you asked me the same question last year, I'd had a, had loads of great answers. There's definitely a few here that I think could to could bat for it. But there, I, I mean, yeah. you could also make the argument that you just want good movies, um, not necessarily awards that are pitched to movie uh, to award shows. Because I actually think that the two aren't. Uh, as closely related as 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 we think, I, I think there's a lot of movies that appear in the Oscars, which just has very limited audience in the, in the grand scheme of things. So, fair. Yeah. I, I I'm I'm more keen to for Netflix uh, to go after big audiences and just produce really good good stories as opposed to just producing stuff specifically geared towards award shows. Hey, if it increases your, uh, you know, site viewings, uh, site statistics in my podcast, I will, I will gladly sign up for that uh, every now and then. I thought that's what was going to happen with Red Notice, and that did not materialize. Uh, that's one of those things. So a lot of people watch it, and I know no one who wants to talk about it. So, uh, and yet they're making two more. So, yeah. what do I know? I I don't know anything apparently. You know, but we do kind of know what kind of works, right? We've seen the top 10 results this year really kind of come into their own and add more, right? In terms of like really knowing what's popular. And yes. then they change their viewing statistics to where it's not the the two-minute rule anymore or whatever. It's now uh, a full hours viewed, right? Yes. So yeah. I think we get a good sense, more of a good sense of what works for them. And Red Notice, Don't Look Up, and The Unforgivable – uh, seem to be the best like 2021 movies that worked for them. So when you look at this lineup, what do you think is going to pop? What do you think is going to be the like star pupils at the end of the day? I think early on, I think the Adam project is going to do really well. I think that would be a safe bet because Ryan Reynolds is someone that you don't bet against. Um, sure. Uh, and just, you know, the other, the other cast members have got big draws too. So I think that'll be an early success. Um, I, I think uh, the Gray Man seems to be uh, the big action movie of the year. Um, yeah. Sorry, Spiderhead. Uh, you know the the Russo brothers uh, doing that. Um, I'd probably say Knives Out Two is probably going to be a success, uh, particularly with uh, film Twitter because they seem obsessed with that movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I watched it and and, and did love it, but like I, I I'm not on the. I wouldn't watch every single. You know, I wouldn't watch it over and over again. That's for, right. that's for sure. But yeah, I, I really like the animation slate, as I've sort of mentioned before. I think the Sea Beast is going to do uh, particularly well. Um, and that would be the one that I would hedge my bets against getting a nomination, at least, in the animation, mm. which I think is a cheating of an answer um, yeah. as to which one's going to win. Uh, but yeah, there's there's definitely a few more. But I think we need to see more of each movie. Like, it's it's way too early to tell on a lot of these um, until we get full trailers and get to see ahead of time what they're, what they're going to be. Yeah. I'm interested to see the response for Enola Holmes too, as Mm. well, because they don't usually do sequels Netflix. They're trying to really do this. uh, And so this is kind of bringing their big star to the table in a year where stranger things, new season's going to come out too. So I'm interested to know when they're going to actually position this because i believe filming's done on that and they're they're in post-production already for that so i don't know when they're going to release it i know the last one they released in the fall so i'm i'm hoping you know maybe a similar thing that would be good because stranger things will might drop at the end of the year uh no summer summer 
Yeah, it summer is summer. Is that confirmed? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, summer. I, 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 don't, I don't know is the answer. I think it would be good to sort of get people to, reminded that Millie Bobby Brown still exists just before um, Stranger Things, perhaps perhaps a few months before it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's a pre, Knowing when they're going to put these movies out um, is, is a job in its own. Of like, It's just something I always get wrong uh, because some stuff filming is finished for like over a year and I still right. can't work out when it's going. They just sort of sit sit on stuff and I have no idea their methodology of how they choose when things are coming out, which is always bizarre, but I guess that's the secret source and where they get yeah. paid the big bucks. And weirdly enough, I don't know how this one's going to land, but there is probably an argument that the school for good and evil might beat a lot of these out too, because it's really kind of like their attempt at kind of taking something that uh, I believe it, there's several books of these that they can work on. They know that it has legs if the first one is successful and it kind of has, you know, it's filling that void of like Harry Potter, but not Harry Potter type mm-hmm. vibes with star power already built in. Cause you have Charlize Theron, you know, at the head of these things and a creator like Paul Feig. So, it kind of like hits a lot of different quadrants that this could be a very successful movie for them and something that can move forward, which would be wild that Charlize Theron is in multiple franchises of theirs and sequels that they have going forward. Yeah. And I think you're going to see that across the board, right? So I think, I think you're going to see uh, Netflix invest in certain talent and expect to see a new movie from said talent every year. I mean, Adam Sanders, a really good example yeah, Ryan Reynolds um, is turning into that too. Of course, yeah. Uh, Adam Sanders is a really good example because it's not just his own sort of crass comedy movies either. Uh, yeah. Space Spaceman and uh, Hustle are both out this year, um, and they're they're not his traditional sort of wacky roles. So, uh, but as as for school, the School for Good and Evil, I think my colleague Jacob is far more uh, up on that one. I okay for me. As someone that doesn't know a lot about the background because he covers it, like it just doesn't seem to appeal to me. But then uh, <laughs> I, I wonder if it's more aimed, targeted towards uh, families than it is me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, that's kind of where the Harry Potter movies started before they got a little more advanced sure. and darker and whatever, too. So it'll be interesting if they, they really are going to commit. Uh, and in the same way, I think this is going to be a good uh, kind of precursor to what happened where they acquired the Raul Dahl library and what they're going to do with a lot of those uh, going forward, especially now that Wes Anderson is going to make what's it, uh Henry sugar, right. Uh, yes. Is the film that he's making. And those could either be, you know, an anthology kind of movie like the French dispatch, or that has uh, I think either multiple books or multiple stories, at least that they can kind of potentially do more with going forward. So that'll be interesting. Mm. too and if they keep doing these then they're gonna slowly but surely build up that library and have these kind of you know extra layers uh where they get stuff going forward with it um so if you had to pick though one that is gonna be the the quote-unquote red notice of the year i mean that more in viewing statistics than success as a movie but <laughs> if the the most watched thing from that t- early 2022 reel what do you think uh, I, I'm going to go safe. I'm going to say the Gray Man. I, I think it hit, hit similar similar boxes um, to to Red Notice and it, sort of like extraction. Um, yeah. I think it's got the big stars involved, um, 
and and hopefully it's a good movie hopefully yeah and chris evans mustache is a good start so I, i'm <laughs> i'm totally down with that his haircut and everything else it's wild in there so I, i'm i'm totally for it uh one noticeable absence for me anyway uh we already talked about extraction two which you know uh, last I knew, you know, principal photography starting in December, so that might be tough to get that to to be in the same year as Spiderhead and also mm. make it by the end of the year. We kind of talked about that. Um, but The Killer, David Fincher's movie, uh, not listed in this giant rundown, and production seemed to have run up till around now, so I don't know if we're going to see it, but I'd love to see it. Yeah, I, d I wouldn't count on it. Um, I, I'd probably say that's probably a bet, a 2023 safe bet. Um, I think so it's I, I think it's still ongoing. But yeah, I, I agree. It's quite exciting, that one. And of course, once he's done with that, then he's definitely, definitely going to work on um, Mindhunter season three because I'm uh, willing know. it into existence. I, I hear you. Your lips to God's ears kind of a situation there, man. I, I would love <laughs> it. I would love it to happen. And I'm hoping maybe that void can be filled in slightly by the pale blue eye. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm very interested in that one as well. Uh, that's Christian Bale, you know, kind of a grooming or getting aided by young Edgar Allan Poe on the West Point campus uh, with a murder mystery. So that sounds pretty cool, too. I hope I hope that's uh, as good as it sounds on paper. So. Again, there's a lot of stuff here to like. There are some maybe some surprise prestige stuff like Rustin or Shirley. That yeah, is Rustin's on the list. a really good shout, actually. Yeah, big time. Yeah, Coleman Domingo is so hot right now. He could do mm. a lot of a lot of. He does a lot of good things, and he, he's doing very well. Shirley, you know, again having Regina King is always helpful. She's always in the awards conversation, mm -hmm. or at least has been more in the last couple of years, and you know. And shout out to it. There were a couple of movies shot in my own backyard here in Connecticut. The Good Nurse uh, being one of them. That looks interesting with Chastain. And yeah, there's a Judd Apatow movie here. There's a bunch of good stuff. It's just, I don't know. I, I it's, it's so down the middle of the road that it didn't like excite me one way or another. It just was like, all right, let's hope for the best. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, think it's, it's, a lot of them are going to be very highly viewed because of the stars, but I don't know, based on their track record, how much of them are actually going to be good. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but then, you know, if you compare it to other distributors, I mean, do you have a, a really good idea of which ones are going to be big hits for Warner Brothers? I, I mean, I could barely God, mention no. anything that's coming out uh, from that the studio Batman, this year. That's it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Batman. And then obviously Disney has a, a bunch of Marvel um, titles again this year, right. um, yeah, of which course. Are, are safe bets. Um, but it's yeah that I, I don't think anyone's got the broad slate um especially when it comes to i mean we've mentioned it loads of times it's particularly when it comes to international titles um you know a lot of the movies we don't get to talk about a lot there because you know we don't know a lot until they land on our doorstep through yeah through one way or another so you know they're, they're batting on all or you know firing all cylinders there um but yeah, yeah. I, I think this is a strong strong year uh, for a lineup i think there's going to be a lot of filler uh, but I also think there's a, there's enough good stuff here to you know get any anyone excited. What's the, you said like uh, Adam Project is probably you know that March release date. I it scares me <laughs> quite frankly because uh, usually big big titles of theirs they don't release this early. But hopefully that works out. But what are you next? Like what's your big thing that you're looking forward to? 
Uh, what you mean within the next sort of few months? Yeah, next couple of months. Because I know we're in a slow period, but I know they did release a bunch of release oh. dates for some of these titles. Oh, blimey. Uh, that is a tough question. Uh, in the next couple of months, uh, the Cuphead show, I, I'm really looking forward to that. Okay. So that's that's cheating in, in, in a few weeks. Um, yeah, apart from that, I, I'm looking forward to checking out Black Crab. I think that's up my street and that's a Swedish thriller. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna check that out. But I can't think of anything huge, huge within the at least what we've got dates for in the next right. couple of months. Um yeah, I think it's very much slanted towards summer and the end of the year. Yeah, I was thinking about doing like a kind of like ode to Numi Rapace for for Black yeah. Crab because she has so many Netflix originals and not a lot of people have watched them. So it's almost like, you know, I, she's got to have like four or five easily. Yeah. And nobody would know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, again, you know, it's just the case that I think you're going to build catalogs and, and collections of these big, big movie stars where you've got, if someone, if someone searches for move, you know, movie star X, they're going right. to be, you know well treated um as a as opposed to previous years when it might be the case that netflix had a licensed movie of theirs but not all of them um right but hopefully you know it's it's gonna be the case that if you search dwayne johnson and you see one or two of his movies that you've never heard of before then one of them might get you to take the plunge or as opposed to you've seen all of his licensed movies and the one that you wanted isn't there so you just click off the app entirely yeah I don't know. I, I guess, uh, you know, a lot of this conversation stems from me doing a movie podcast for Netflix and being like, I want it to be as cool as the TV side. Yeah. <laughs> because like, because it's like, if you just went like, yeah, Ozark was here and Murderville's on and next week is Inventing Anna. And then you got, you know, Vikings, Bridgerton, Sandman, Crown, Witcher, uh, you know, Blood Origins, Stranger Things. Those are all coming, you know. It's like it's going to be a huge TV year for them, even yeah, just huge. on things that we're familiar with. And then there could be more. Yeah, and that, and that's half the trouble with covering Netflix too. Like, um, you know, my my view of it is sort of like within the next month or two. But the reality is, is you know, we do our big movie previews where I sort of dive into it every year, and then, uh, you know, once a month. And, and yeah. I think the movies one is up to like nearly 400 titles. So like getting me to recite them is really difficult Yeah, <laughs> because there's just so much. And they're all at various stages of development. You know, yeah. most of them have got really good stars involved. You know, like a good example is the Chronicles of Narnia. Like we haven't heard of that in ages. I love re reading your articles on though. You seem to be so frustrated. <laughs> like, where is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where you can't even get like any information. Like you'd at least sort of hear about, um, you know, things are ticking over, you know, they're still developing it, but that one's just gone so quiet. It's uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. One quick question before, before I let you go, because you are so ahead of the curve on a lot of these things. And I feel like I am because of you. So I appreciate that. Did you see any reason for this Squid Game thing to happen? Um, I, I don't want to say I predicted it, but I did put out a tweet a few weeks beforehand saying this looks uh, this looks pretty dope. And that was all I put. So that is my prediction <laughs> as to say it's going to take over the world. Uh, no, I think I think that's one of the one of the cases where Netflix's ability to get earned media, and th this is partly why I have such a problem with Tudum, because they're trying to make their own earned media and it's it, right. it just comes across as uh, disingenuous um, yes, and they and they sure. and they they do they do so well at that um that it's 
it's hard for them to tell what's going to be good. And, and it, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, making predictions as to what's going to work in two to three years is almost impossible, which is why having such a big slate so that, for example, if Boba Fett failed for Disney+, Plus, you know, they're, they're now got to wait a few months for a next big hit. And I've, I think Disney+, yeah. Plus can weather that, but I don't think other streamers can, uh, which is w- where the competitive nature of all of this comes in into play. Absolutely. Um, and spoiler alert, uh, Boba Fett wasn't working, so it turned into The Mandalorian. Sorry, okay. everybody. Uh- <laughs> I, I, I watched the first episode and just decided I'm going to just wait. I, I can't, I'm not waiting weekly for this. I'm just going to wait and watch it all at once. Yeah. No, it's a good call. That's yeah. actually very good. I wish I had done the same. But um, <laughs> thank you so much for your time, man. You're you're always so generous with it, and I appreciate you coming on and, and exploring a lot of these topics that I've been reading you know, on your site and just kind of going, God, I don't know what works here. I don't know what to look, uh, the outlook (laughs) will be in 2022, but I think we have a pretty good shake now. And that's thanks to you and your team. Uh, anything coming up? I know I got blown away today by rebel moon doing back-to-back movies, uh, Uh, dropping. Reportedly. Yeah. Reportedly. We still don't have confirmation on that one, but yeah, it does. It does seem like they're giving him a lot of, um, leeway to push that and, and by all accounts it does sound pretty decent it sounds a bit like uh star wars meets his yeah. uh, dc uh, universe um so hopefully that one comes comes good uh what else am i been tracking a, a really good one is like just little things like dead to me season three like little things like that and hopefully do really well um and go out with a bang yeah I'm I'm looking forward. Do you know when Russian Doll season two is going to come? I feel like uh, so I'm just asking those. Things. It's 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 wrapped up. I should imagine it's this year, but as as to when, I, I we, no idea. Not March because we've pretty much got March's slate now. So it's um yeah, not March, um, but okay. soon, soon Excellent. TM. <laughs> it's one of those shows that I loved the, it, but it's so conceptual that I have no idea what to expect for season two, and I'm getting very antsy to see kind of like early first look of what it even going to be what it, what it's going to be i have no idea <laughs> yeah sadly that one was caught up in the covid uh nightmare so um, yes yeah it's true uh, which is which is the case for a lot of it you know like stranger things season four i mean they're going to be retired by the time <laughs> uh, by the time yeah. season five ever sort of sees the light of day so yeah they they should just keep shooting because it's going to happen again. Just We're going to go through this nightmare over and over. So I appreciate you again coming on here, Casey. And everybody go check out what's on Netflix.com. It's such a valuable resource. And, you know, definitely, you know, we'll give you all the updates you'll ever need, including me just pointing straight questions at Casey for <laughs> on, a, on a podcast, holding him hostage, trying to get more information out of him. So thanks again, man. And I appreciate you. We'll have you on real soon. Anytime. Thank you.